right. Can you guys hear me? You can hear me. Awesome. I'm using Jim's mic, so this is like the Cadillac of mics. I think it's going to make the message better. Hey, uh, we have healing rooms here, as you guys know. And, uh, you know, we've been going after healing and, uh, for a number of months now. And uh, it's just been really great to see growth. Uh, how many of you found that sometimes you kind of have to practice things, put things into practice, and we begin to see some of fields that we're sowing in, we see things come from that, we see growth there. And so we had healing rooms yesterday, uh, and healing rooms take place here the second Saturday of every month from about 10 a.m. to noon, uh, but yesterday, gosh, I think they were praying, they told me for like four hours for people. Uh, and, and so if I could have Lisa, uh, Diana, and Matt Bates, yeah, come on up, can you guys give them some love? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them to uh, share testimonies of uh, what happened yesterday uh, during uh, healing rooms. Yeah, I'm sorry, you, you can grab that mic. There we go. I have to turn on. So yesterday these guys were, uh, were, got to pray for some people. So Matt, go ahead, take it away. Tell us what happened. Yes, uh, the first person that wanted to share about, she had arthritis. And uh, she had a lot of pain. It's difficult for her to walk sat down and my wife and I began to pray for her and Holy Spirit revealed to us uh, these image of these cushions, you know, cushions for the, for the bones. And, and it's as if the Holy Spirit wanted to give her new cushions. Immediately she got up and she began to walk all over the church and totally pain free. She'd be given Come new on, cushions. Jesus. And, um, I am so grateful that I don't I don't miss coming on a on a healing Saturday because a couple I think it was a couple months ago this woman came in um, she brought her mother and she translated for us and when they walked into the room her mother and I just like got into this huge hug and everybody started crying because you could just feel God just pouring His love into her and um, it was amazing. And God showed to us that she was his little princess. And when we told her that, everybody started crying all over again because her father, when she was a little girl, used to call her his little princess. And so it was incredible just to see that love constantly pouring into her. And then we, we prayed for her in her left eye. She wasn't able to see. She didn't have any vision in that. And she wasn't able to eat. Her digestive system was messed up so we went ahead and we prayed over that and you know she you know it was really an awesome time she leaves well yesterday she came her and her daughter came back and she had complete she went to the optometrist so that she could prove she had complete sight in her left eye wow. yeah and that and that her, she was able to eat again because of her digestive system and so, and again, God just constantly throughout that whole session reminded her, you are my little princess. Not only did we get to witness uh, a really incredible, you know, healing testimony, but what we saw is this was a woman who didn't have any faith coming in to be healed. In fact, she believed in many gods, but God was revealing to her that he wanted to have her as her little princess. And because of this, we not only witnessed this healing, 
but it led to her to accepting Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Come on. Give Come it on. Up. So one thing I would like to share Lord. about these healing ministries is that, you know, it's not our... It's not within our own ability to do the healing whatsoever. It takes having a hundred percent focus on Jesus. You know, anything short of that, it does not. It doesn't happen. And so, for that reason, I, I'd like you to kind of share a little declaration with me that Jim has said many times before. See, for those of you who remember, just kind of repeat it me. I'll say it, and then you say it. it. Says, God will not withhold healing from you because you are bad. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you are good. He will not heal you because you're good. He heals you because what Jesus did on the cross. He heals you because of what Jesus died at the cross. Amen. So good. Thanks, Matt. Wow. Come on. You know, Psalm 119 says... I will run in the way of your commandments. Your testimonies are my delight because they will and you will enlarge in my heart. How many of you feel that thing growing inside as we hear this stuff? Come on. A little drool, a little like, come on, where's the next one? Here's a testimony that someone gave me this morning. You guys up for another? It says, last Sunday as I got up and on the way to church at Zion, seasonal allergies caused my eyes to exceptionally hurt and sting. I mean, it felt like needles in my eyes, and it was hard to see. Phil Hostetler prayed for me, and within a few minutes, the pain went away. On top of that, my eyes remained calm all week, so I just want to say thanks to Jesus. Come on. Man, let's get another offering plate around and close in prayer. So good. So good. Well, hey guys, uh, my name is Sean. I've, I've spoken here before. I'm one of our pastors on staff. I'm our senior associate leader. And uh, I just wanted to kind of bring us into this journey again today with Jesus. You know, it, it's amazing what happens when we just get our eyes off of ourselves, get, our, get our eyes on the Lord. But we also can celebrate what God's doing around us. Like celebrating what God's doing around us is a really important part of our own lives. Even when things are offensive, if you ever gotten, have you ever gotten offended by somebody else getting a breakthrough that you wanted? Right? Maybe, maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a, a relational thing. But you just an opportunity thing that somebody else got that you really wanted. That is where we get to celebrate what God is doing in somebody else, because it positions us for that target to remain on us for what God's going to release in our life. So we we just play a role in being able to celebrate some of these testimonies. So. Uh, last time I spoke, uh, I, I talked about Jesus as the voice of the prophets. Is anyone here for that? Okay, so real, real quick recap. Jesus is the voice of the prophets. Ezekiel, Isaiah. Who do you think was speaking to him? It was Jesus. And then we see Jesus come, and we see Jesus show up and live a, a life as God's son and a perfect prophet. We see him become savior. We see him at the cross and resurrection. And we see Jesus now releasing the Holy Spirit into the, into believers so that the prophet can now live inside of you. Amen? All right, go listen to that message. It was, it was the best one I did that day. <laughs> well, today, you know, we were talking about Jesus as, as how, fulfilling his role as prophet. 
So in Jesus, in Ephesians 4.11, it says this. If you can throw, you guys can open up your Bibles there. Ephesians 4.11. This might be a phrase in, in the church world, in the charismatic church world, or the Pentecostal church world, or empower evangelical church world as a five-fold ministry. It says, Christ gave himself, gave himself, himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this is traditionally what we call the fivefold ministry. And we talked last time about Jesus as prophet. Did you know Jesus perfectly fulfilled all these roles? He can't give something he doesn't have. So Jesus perfectly fulfills these roles. And today I want to talk about Jesus fulfilling one of these roles. Um, how many of you... Uh, have been around somebody that feels like doesn't fit in really well in, in social circles. How many of you, you are that person. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it, it's amazing. When we read the Old Testament, and, and particularly in the books of First and Second Kings and, and, and Chronicles, and we, we read First and Second Samuel, these stories about God driving out people from the promised land. Are you with me? Just, just track with me for a little bit. We read these stories of God, God's people removing other people groups from the promised land. And sometimes we get a narrative, uh, if we're not careful, that God was a little mean in the Old Testament and then got real happy with Jesus in the New Testament. We read that God just doesn't seem to like anyone other than Israel in the Old Testament. But then come New Testament, Jesus now shows up and he's hanging out with Gentiles. Those, the, the, those would be the people outside of the people of Israel and Israel as well. And he seems to be opening up these bridges to everyone, women and Gentiles and broken people and, and even the Pharisees and teachers of the law. He was even going to them and offering opportunity to know him. So we see Jesus doesn't seem to be pushing out people groups anymore. He seems to be bringing them in. Am I the only one who sees that? He seems to be bringing them in. Now, in the Old Testament, we might read, oh, man, God's just, man, he got in a better mood when Jesus came. He just got in a good mood. Well, you know... When we have that view, we actually have a distorted view of who God is. We have a distorted view of his nature. And so I want to read some, some passages here uh, that paints a picture of God's heart, God's missional heart in the Old Testament. Are you guys with me? We're going to go really fast through these verses, kind of paint a wide picture, and then land on, land on one part of it. So we're going to go quick. If you can follow me in your Bible, good luck. Uh, you can just look at the screen behind me, and if you're online, you can, just, uh, you can read the screen. All right, let's start in, uh, let's, let's go all the way back to Exodus 22, verse 21. I'll make sure it's up here. All right, it says this. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. You shall not oppress a stranger, since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger, for you also were strangers in the land of Egypt. 23, uh, Exodus 23, verse 9. Let's go to Deuteronomy 10, verse 19. So show your love for the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Leviticus 19.34, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You guys with me? Yeah. Numbers 15.15, 15. the community is to have the same rules for you and for the foreigner residing among you. This is a lasting ordinance for generations to come. You and the foreigner shall be the same before the Lord. Deuteronomy 27.19, cursed is anyone 
who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Then all the people said, Amen. Amen. Just a couple more. First Chronicles 16. When they were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. Job, Job 29, verse 15. I served as eyes for the blind and feet for the lame. I was a father to the poor and assisted strangers who needed help. I broke the jaws of the godless oppressors and plucked their victims from their teeth. Psalm 146, verse 9. The Lord watches over strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Two more. Jeremiah 7, verse 5. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, and I will give you the land your ancestors promised forever and ever. Last one is Ezekiel 47, 22. You are to allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the foreigners residing among you and who have children. You are to consider them as native-born Israelites. Along with you, they are to be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. So I lead a ministry school. This is where I normally ask students to like talk with me. I can't do that. There's too many of you here. Do you guys see in this picture it's being painted? This is in the law. In the law, see, we have this idea that God was angry and upset. No, no, no. God was just getting rid of false gods in the land. People weren't the problem. It was the, the, the focus of people's worship that was the problem because it would pollute them. Does this make sense? So there were, all, there were all these people in the land that God actually said, listen, in the law, in order for you to have revival, in order for you to be blessed, it actually says, do not oppress that stranger. It also says they're to have an inheritance. They're not just supposed to be tolerated. There's a level that, oh, no, the Lord says they're to be celebrated. You know, what we see in the Old Testament is God beginning to foreshadow what Jesus is going to do with the nations. We, we, we see this tapestry being laid of the value for that foreigner. Did you know that Jesus lived a life as man and experienced everything that man would experience so that he can relate to us, not as a high priest who's unrelatable, but as one we can come boldly before the throne to? That's Hebrews 11. He, he, did you know Jesus was an immigrant? Do you know Jesus knows what it is to be outcast, to be marginalized? It actually says that when he was young, his family had to bring him to Egypt, and he grew up in Egypt for a while. That was not his land. That Jesus knows what it is to be that one that's disconnected from culture. The one that feels foreign to a land that they're in. Why is this so important? All right. Really, really important because uh, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you were the stranger in the land. Did you know that? That there's another kingdom and you were a stranger in this land. The, 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 re, the reason that you, you got invited into the kingdom through Jesus, the reason 
that Jesus was able to show up and immediately draw in the Gentiles is because he laid it in the law thousands of years before, so he showed up and began to fulfill it. He didn't have a change of heart. The reason you got saved is because God wrote this in way back in Numbers. Did you know that? He was thinking about you and future generations. So he actually wrote into the culture of the law, revealing God's heart, that there's always room for one more, that Israel is the apple of his eye, but there's always room for another. It says this in 1 Peter 2.11. It says that you are foreigners in this world because you belong to another. All right. I'm going to tell you guys some stories in a minute. Are you still tracking with me? It says that you are foreigners because you belong to another. Meaning what? There is something inside of you that can easily relate to the person that's a stranger in the land. Because you are a stranger in this world. You belong to another. It says in Colossians that your citizenship is in heaven. That means you're not part of this world system anymore. Do you know that? You've actually been plucked from the ways of this world, and now you're here on mission with Jesus. You're, you're actually here for a purpose. Now, some of you are super, super good at reaching people in your sphere of influence. You just don't believe it. Everyone say boo. I'm just kidding. See, God has anointed you for purpose, and he puts his purpose all around you. And now I, I want to begin to talk a little bit about what is our role in that journey. You know, I think sometimes we tend to complicate the Christian life. Can I get an amen? amen. No? We, we tend to complicate the Christian life. You know, we see Jesus in the New Testament showing up, and he's feeding the poor. We see Jesus showing up, and he's going to weddings. He's hanging out with people that uh, the, the, the teachers of the law would say you shouldn't hang out with, and, and why are you hanging out with him? Jesus shows up, and Jesus gives analogies to who your neighbor is. Do you guys remember these stories? He gives analogies to who your neighbor is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? Jesus begins to tell stories painting pictures of your neighbor as the one that's just simply in front of you in need. Your, your, your neighbor is the one that you might be passing by on a regular basis, that they might not be of the same belief system. They might be a bit of a stranger. They might feel like they're outcast. It says this in James 1. You guys, you guys still good. I got a couple more verses, and then I'm going to tell you guys some stories. James chapter 1, verse 27 says this. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, if, if, if we begin to operate as strong salt and bright light, we're actually going to be so contagious to people. Did you know that? I know. I, I love the message that Brian preached last week about being salt. If you, who heard it? So rich, so good. Don't download it right now. I need you here. It was so good about being about being strong salt. Here, here, here's the key. If you want to be strong salt and bright light, you better know what salt tastes like, and you better get really close to the one who's altogether lovely and light. 
if you can accomplish those two things, you'll actually be so contagious to people around you. Here's the thing. People don't want, listen, you got to stop trying to get people saved. You just got to start being salt and light. Can I, can I just say that? You're going to get more people saved by you being salt and light with Jesus, actually believing what he says, getting to know Jesus better, and then obeying what he says. You're going to see more people magnetized to the gospel. And, and, and can I just say this? People are, how many of you are people watchers? People watchers, man. It's like your favorite thing to do is just you can read people and watch people. I have sisters, and my little sister is like, the, she is a world champion people watcher. You know, she can just watch someone, and she, she, can just, she just knows everything about them. And she's really prophetic, too, so that helps. But if you ever watch people, you know, sometimes you forget that people are watching you. So all of you people watchers, I have news for you. You reap what you sow. No, I'm just kidding. People are watching you. Did you know that you can win people powerfully to the gospel by allowing people to see you go through something difficult? How you handle it, how you navigate it, actually can win people's hearts to the goodness of God because there's something supernatural about what you just did. It's not about about everything going right. It's about you being constantly right in your heart with God going through it. Okay, does this make sense? I want to tell you guys some stories, you know. You guys are mostly called to the marketplace. Your greatest place of ministry is not going to be from the pulpit for most of us in the room. It's going to be in the marketplace. It's going to be outside these walls. Where do you think Jesus went? Jesus showed up, and he just started going to the marketplace. He's just going everywhere. You know, Jesus, Jesus, we don't really have much of an account of Jesus hosting a church service. Like, he didn't set a date and time. Disciples, go gather everyone at this time, at this place. It's going to be amazing. No, what happened? He had large crowds because people just loved him. They couldn't get enough of him because they met him in marketplace. They met him outside, outside of the temple walls. Does this make sense? That, that, that your biggest area of opportunity in ministry, you're all in full-time ministry. I know it's a cheesy saying, but it's just totally true. It's going to be with your friends, your family, your neighbors. It's going to be maybe someone you meet at work. So for a number of years before I was a pastor, uh, I, I worked uh, solely in the marketplace. And I worked in uh, finance and investments. And I worked for a very big company. And we had lots and lots of big clients. And so uh, this one year, this was a, gosh, this was a long time ago, but uh, probably 15 years ago, uh, 16 years ago, actually. And uh, we had an emerging market um, in uh, India and in overseas. So we had a, a growing emerging market. And we needed more presence there to, uh, to kind of bring in some clients and to continue to build our book of business uh, in India. And so what happened is uh, a team of super highly qualified individuals uh, we hired. They're all master degree levels in accounting and finance and just really qualified, bright, just super uh, smart people come in. And we brought them in to do some training. And then I went there for a season and was establishing some work there. I was establishing uh, an opportunity for our business to grow in that, in that market. So, uh, so when, when we, I had a couple guys come in and just kind of mentored them for a while and kind of brought them up to speed on some, other, some areas and what they were going to need to do. And then I began to build up their leadership team and things like that. And so when, when they came, uh, you just spent a lot of time with someone who's literally a stranger in the land. And uh, but this one guy, his name was Maha. 
That's right. His name was Maha. Maha is exactly what you think a Maha would be. He's just wild and like into every experience and uh, just wants to experience everything and didn't know the Lord and came to America and he got kind of, he had to listen to me. And, and that was disappointing for him. And one of the reasons it was disappointing for him is because I wasn't a, like a, an American like he saw in the movies. I just I wasn't, I, I didn't drink. Like I, it just wasn't my lifestyle. And he was really disappointed by that. He, I didn't get offended. But, you know, it was just really funny. And so Maha began to, uh, I began to train him on some things. And he began to ask me a lot of questions about stuff. And so uh, he began to kind of ask me questions about the life that I live and the lifestyle I live. And so I began to share with him, and he started to ask questions about, like, you know, like, do you know Jesus? Like, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And he's like, what does that mean? So I got to share a little bit more and kind of give him these bits and pieces about the gospel. And then uh, he's like, I invited him to a small group. So I was going, just part of a a pretty thriving small group ministry, bring him in, and, uh, you know, he would come and kind of be on the sidelines during worship, and we had, a, it was a worship night, actually, is what he came to, and it was just, everyone was just pouring out their hearts to Jesus in this house. It was just amazing, and uh, have you ever been in a room when God's presence just gets so thick, it's almost inescapable? Yeah. Like, it's, it's just, even if you don't know the Lord, it's just inescapable, and it's like thick and tangible. It was one of those moments, and uh, he comes over to me. I'll never forget. I was standing on the stairs because the room was so full. We just had 30 people or so just worshiping the Lord and for no reason other than we just love him. And, uh, and Maha comes over to me, and he goes, hey, uh, I want this. And I was like, Maha, what do you want? Help me understand a little more clear. He goes, I want what you have. I'm like, what do you want that I have? He goes, I want to know Jesus. I said, that's awesome, man. So I led him to the Lord, just the simple prayer, the simple invitation to Jesus to come and be Lord over my life and repent of all their ways. You know, Maha's life started to get radically changed. How many of you know he didn't go home that day and the next day his life was in perfect order? Did you know it's not how it works? (laughs) Now his life went into chaos. Does this make sense? Because where he attached his values to, Jesus just detached and now he doesn't know where to attach. So I got to mentor Maha for a number of weeks and months and disciple him and, and help, him, help him to read the book of John. He just didn't want to read it, man. He just did not want to read the, he didn't want to read the Bible. And he finally broke that thing off of his heart and began to have his own personal relationship with Jesus. This other guy named Aaron, this other guy named Aaron, again from India, maybe the most humble man I've ever met to this day. You know, in India, the super rich and the super wealthy live very uh, side by side. They're very commingled. So in America, there's like nice cities or nice areas. In, in India, it's all commingled together. So you can have a family of five or six living outside of another person's mansion on the cement, and that's literally where they live with no possessions. Because there's, there's something called a, well, it's, it's, it's like a caste system. And what happens is uh, no one helps anyone. Because many, depending on what region you're in, many believe that the reason that they're living a bad life is because they lived a bad life previously, and this is their penance for it. Does this make sense? So it's actually, like, there's no, there's no desire to help them because I would be uh, hurting their 
discipline from the gods. Does this make sense? So meaning when someone is, is poor, they just, they, they, there's no passion, there's no, there's no mercy, nothing at all. Well, Aaron came from a poor family, but he was able to go to college. Aaron was able to get on this team, Aaron, but he's still carrying all this shame. Does this make sense? So he's the most humble guy because he's carrying shame. You know, shame can mask itself around as humility. And so Aaron, really quiet and soft-spoken, brilliant mind, brilliant mind. And uh, one day, uh, he had a, uh, a bad migraine. And he's like, Sean, can you, uh, can you pray for me? And I said, yeah, what's going on? He goes, my, my head hurts. Like, he just couldn't open his eyes barely. His head was just throbbing. So he's like, can you pray for me? I'm like, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm amazed that you're even asking. I mean, this is a coworker. So I'm like, yeah. So I lay hands on him. The migraine just totally goes away in Jesus' name. You know, Fast forward a number of months later, Aaron comes up to me and he goes, hey, I'm not a Christian, but I believe in, I believe in Jesus. I said, buddy, you're a Christian then. <laughs> Why? Because he was thinking, I'm not part of your culture. Does this make sense? But I do, I do, I do believe in Jesus. See, guys, church, we got to break that thing. We got to break that thing that you got to look like someone and do something a certain way and be part of a certain church and, 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 and worship a certain way. Listen, it's all about Jesus. It's not about your expression of Jesus. Did you know that? It's, it's, like it's all about Jesus. It's not just your expression of church. So I, are, you guys still, are you guys okay? A couple, maybe two more stories. So I, when I went over there to India... And uh, I'm there, and we're doing stuff. I was there for a number of weeks. It was a really pretty intense trip. And some other leaders from my company came with, and we worked in different departments, but we were all there to establish some things. And so, uh, you know, if you ever travel with someone or for three weeks in a, another nation, uh, you get to know someone usually. Some stuff comes to the surface, <laughs> you know. And uh, in, in India, they drive really fast. It's like crazy. And uh, we had drivers that would drive us everywhere, and because and we, we like literally weren't allowed to drive a car there for liability purposes. And, uh, and so we got to, know, got to know your coworkers a little bit. Well, one of the things that we, uh, my coworkers and I, you know, we really didn't know one another well, uh, but I love traveling. I love going to the nation. So for me, it was like paradise. It's like my company's paying for this. This is awesome, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I would be there, and, and uh, uh, I would actually go out in the night and minister to people on the streets. Uh, I was 23, 24. I don't recommend doing this unless you got a word from the Lord. I was in one of the most dangerous areas in India, and I didn't really know it. I didn't really care about it. Uh, I just wanted to go and, and, and minister with the Holy Spirit the best way I could. And so what would happen is we would mirror uh, the investment stock market time. So like, like 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, Eastern Central Time is when we would work over there because we were teaching them how to do some stuff in the markets. Does that make sense? So over there, that's, at like, that's, like, that's like 9 p.m. to like 3 a.m. Like it's just this weird hours that we were working. And I would come back after working, and I would hit the streets. And then I'd minister for a while until the sun came up, and then I'd go to bed. And so for me, it was like heaven on earth. It was all planned. I brought all this food. It was awesome. And so I got to go out and minister to families on the streets and, and led some to Jesus, and others just got to pray with, and others got to give food to, and others just got to be there for them. And, and anyway, so that, that was just kind of like my lifestyle. And so uh, getting, getting back to my coworkers, so we would go out to eat lunch, but it was really like midnight there. Does that make sense? Because our days would start at like 8 p.m. and 
midnight we go have lunch, and there's actually places open. And we were in India, so we had Chinese food, which, by the way, is awesome because it's so close to China. It's so delicious. So we would go like, this Chinese restaurant. It was amazing. We go out there, and we were eating. And uh, the first time we ate there, uh, we ordered a bunch of, like, shared size, like, food for everyone. And, you know, everyone's just eating stuff. And then we're all finished, or we're about to head back to the office. And in that, in that space, the uh, server came around, and I said, hey, can you just box this up? Can you just, like, box this up for, for us? And, and he's like, oh, yeah, totally fine. And my coworker's like, man, Sean's hungry, you know, because I can bring all this food. And I was, you know, I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so we go outside. As soon as he boxed it up for us, we go outside to get into our, our car to get back to the office. And, of course, it's in India, so there's just people everywhere in the middle of the night. And there's this, there's this family, about four or five people on the side of, of the sidewalk right outside of this restaurant. So I took the food, and I, and I gave it to them, and I shared them about Jesus. And I had to get in this car, so I couldn't have, like, a sozo time. We just had to give them something and, and share about Jesus and got to pray for them real briefly. And uh, all my coworkers were people watching me hard. Does it make sense? I just forgot where I was a little bit. I forgot the context. And they were all just like, what was that? So we get in the car, and a, a guy who was living the homosexual lifestyle uh, just started asking me questions about my relationship with Jesus. He goes, I saw what you just did. Tell me about what you believe. So I got to begin to share the gospel with him. I got to begin to share about God's love. I got to begin to share with this man and gain influence in his life. Why? Because just like you guys, he was people watching. And so fast forward, we just had these amazing opportunities that just began to open up. Well, I think it was two nights later, three nights later, we go back to the same restaurant. Very similar thing happened, uh, you know, and, and at the very end, the server is like, okay, you guys all done? And uh, I was like, yeah, we're good. And there wasn't, there wasn't much food, like, left at that point. And I was doing this all incognito. I wasn't advertising what I was doing in the evenings. And so I was like, yeah, I, like, I wasn't going to get the food that night. And uh, the, my coworkers are like, oh, no, we want all this boxed up. We want all the boxed up. And I was like, oh, I didn't even connect it to I was like, oh, you guys are hungry. And, and I'm serious. And, and they box it all up. And then they, they get it. And they all look at me before we left the restaurant. They're like. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I honestly, I didn't connect the dots. And, and so they're, they're, they're like, do the, let's do the thing. Let's do that thing. I was like, what? I was like, oh, are you talking about giving the food away? And they were like, yeah, let's go do that thing. I was like, yeah, let's go do that thing. So we like grabbed the food we got, and now they're all ministering. Like, it's amazing. They became missionaries in a moment. Well, what happened? They just saw, they just saw a God who was actually attractive. They, they just, man, the world just needs to taste and see how good Jesus is. You know, what if the church began to just do that outside the walls of the building? It's not about your salvation. Your salvation as a follower of Jesus is firmly established. Now, is there anyone who will go out and help with the fields? Does this make sense? You're going to get more people saved by being attractive, by showing the attractiveness of heaven, the attractiveness of God to people around you. One more story and then we'll wrap up. Yeah? 
There's another coworker of mine. I'm telling you all, all these coworker stories. Why? Because that is going to be your primary place of ministry. It's just maybe not at work, but it is outside of these walls. And you have to know that you're anointed for it. Like you're already anointed for it because God's given you purpose and he always anoints you for purpose. So another, another guy uh, that I was uh, working with, he was actually, um, uh, I met him uh, through the company and uh, he was uh, on, a, on a different team doing, doing some other, other things. Uh, and then I started, he started to work on, on some of my teams and was doing some work and some projects and things. And uh, uh, did you know that when you're following Jesus, everyone around you knows you're following Jesus? You're like, oh, how do I, how can I let people know I'm following Jesus? Everyone knows you're following Jesus. Everyone knows you're following Jesus. So just let that stress thing go and begin to be free for you to just simply follow Jesus without having to throttle what that looks like to other people. So this, this coworker of mine, uh, you know, he began to recognize something something all my life that I you know was just living my life not doing anything super super intentional uh, at work I was called to work really well to make my bosses look amazing and to benefit the company did you know that like that's what your main job is it's not to have a bible at your desk and start eulogizing as people come in and, and, and harmonizing and, and begin to sharing these sermons and messages it's actually not you're called to be a leader in the workplace and so, so for me, I was just learning how to be a leader in the workplace, and I was learning from other people around me. And this one guy starts kind of opening up to me, and, and he starts sitting, he starts coming in my office and sitting in the chair, and he starts saying things like, when I'm in, your, when I'm in this chair, I feel really different. I don't know why. So I said, well, I can tell you what, why. I, I can tell you, like, what I think is going on there. Began to share about Jesus, that I'm a carrier of his presence, that everywhere I go, Jesus is with me. I began to get a reputation for being that weird Jesus guy at work. You know, I began to have dreams for my coworkers, and I would tell them about it. And some of them were, were, were dreams where God was really calling that person to themselves. Well, well, well this coworker, we'll call him Lenny. That's not his name. Uh, Lenny begins to just kind of come into my office quite a bit and recognizes God's presence in some dimension. And just starts opening up about his life. And I'm like, well, okay, cool. How many of you know? When someone's opening about their life, just be aware of the breadcrumbs that God is leading you. Right. Yeah. So just pay attention. So I'm paying attention. And, and, uh, and, and fast forward a little bit. He starts telling me about just some brokenness in his life. And about what he's really struggling in. And that, that, that he made mistakes in his life. And he wants to get right with God. And I'm like... Lenny, this is amazing, man. Let's, let's get right with God. He winds up giving his life to Jesus. He winds up starting to go to church. And then it was really funny. This one day, this one day after work, uh, he gets saved and born again. And, uh, and this one day, uh, he is limping around the office a lot. Like, he is, like, noticeably limping. And I'm like, Lenny, what's going on with your leg? And he's like, oh, I just, you know, I just kind of messed it up. And, and, you know, I just, I don't know what to do with it. It kind of hurts. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, uh, we were really busy that day, so I didn't have a chance to go and find him again and pray for him. But I did. I was that stalker guy that was looking at the clock. I'm like, he usually leaves at like 4:45, so I'm gonna keep one eye on the door and one eye on, like, see if I can catch him. And I totally did. He walked by. I like ran over to him. I was like, hey, let's go to the parking lot. We go out there. I'm like, hey, let me pray for your. 
uh, your knee and his back. And he's like, okay. So I, I asked him, hey, just, just stand there for a second, and uh, we're just going to invite Holy Spirit to come and minister. And I didn't put my hand on him. It was a workplace environment, even though we were in a parking lot. I just stood next to him. How many of you know you don't need to lay hands every time to get someone healed? Just put my hand out and said, in Jesus' name, back be made whole, knee restored. And he goes, he goes, why'd you push me? I was like, ben, I, I did not push you. Like, I did not push you. And he goes, yes, you did. I was like, I did not push you. And then it started to hit him that he got touched by God in a powerful way. And he, he started to just weep. And he's like, I always wanted something like this to happen to me. And you know what was most amazing about his journey is that he went from someone that was full of shame, that when you would go up to him, how many of you have been around someone where they kind of recoil back? Does that make sense? They just kind of naturally do that. He went from that person to allowing God to touch his back. Does this make sense? And now you go up to him, and he, is, he comes right at you. He leans in. Why am I sharing these stories? I'm sharing these stories because... When we're talking about Jesus living inside of you, you have the evangelist living inside of you. You, you. you actually have someone that knows what other people are going through. That Jesus isn't just around on the sidelines hoping people make it. He actually is out there reaching out through believing believers. Through believing believers. What I want to do is I just want to give an invitation. If you're in the room this morning and you're like, I, did not, I do not have my life right with God and I want to get right with God, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Just stand up right now. And I'm just, we're just going to lead you to the best decision that you're ever going to make. So if you're in the room this morning, I just encourage you as I'm speaking right now, just go ahead and, and pop up. Just stand to your feet. Maybe someone dragged you here. You're like, how in the world did I get in this weird looking building? Well, you know, God has a plan for your life. It's not happenstance that you're listening to this message. It's not happenstance that you might be in the room. So if that's you, just go ahead and, and just pop to your feet for a moment, and we're going to just say a prayer and invite Holy Spirit into your life. And if you're listening online, you can do the same. You can do the same. So going to give it another moment. I'll, I'll be as awkward as possible. I'll, I'll wait. If that's you, if you're, don't let this day go by. If you feel that heart kind of pounding, Maybe you're feeling all of a sudden kind of sweaty in your palms. You know that God is putting his finger on you right now. And I'm just going to invite you to stand up. It's as simple as standing up and saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I want forgiveness. Yes, I want to know him. Yes, I want my past washed away. If there's anyone here today, just go ahead and stand up. All right, well, I don't see anyone standing up, so that means I'm in the company of believers. So why don't everyone stand up today? You know, the, this really isn't a, a message about evangelism. It's, it's really a message about the goodness of God that has laid all the framework for us, all the framework for all people to know him, the marginalized, the outcasts. And it doesn't take much to begin to display the goodness of God to someone in your life. So right now, just wherever you're at, uh, let's just, just put your hand on your heart, and I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that, that you live inside of us, Lord, to bring good news to those around us. Jesus, that we don't have to be a raging extrovert, God. We just have to be a raging lover. We All we simply need to do is fix our eyes on you, Jesus. So, Father, I just thank you right now for just stirring up that fresh space 
of intimacy with you, to quickly obey, to enjoy the process, Lord, to enjoy the process. I just release that over you, that you're going to enjoy the process of letting people see the love of Jesus in your life. It's no longer going to be scary or hard, but I just see you enjoying that process again. So, Lord, I just thank you, and we just pray, Holy Spirit, you just bring more people into our path. You bring more people into our path, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, fill us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Jim and Mary will be back next week. Uh, if I could have ministry teams come forward. If you want a prophetic word, if it's been a while since...